are listening to the Quarter Transmissions. Surely, episode 36, Star Trek Events in New York City. Just what the doctor ordered. Right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. Hello and welcome once again to Shore Leave, your Star Trek convention community podcast. This is our 36th episode, and tonight we are talking about all things Star Trek in New York City this fall. Here alongside me is the always awesome Heather Barker. How are you tonight, Heather? I'm doing pretty well. I love New York, although I've only been there once. Oh, wait. Well, I lived in New York for two years. I forgot yeah. that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So maybe I've been to New York City twice. <laughs> well, I, I love New York, too. I live an hour and a half away from it, and I am confessing right now I'm the biggest slacker in the Trek community. I didn't go to any of these New York events uh, this fall. I had conflicts for every single one of them. But thankfully, we have two people here tonight who were at some of these events and are going to talk about them with us. First up is our returning guest, Mr. Elijah from the Priority One podcast. How are you tonight, Elijah? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Exhausted. I'm doing a show here locally, which, Jeff, I hope you'll come see. But otherwise, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I have to do that, too. See, another another thing that I've been slacking on. I must get over there to see that show. So uh, very near future. And our second guest is new to the show. It's Mr. Ken Riley from Trek Corps. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well tonight. Thanks uh, for having me on. Of course. Welcome to the show. Glad you could join us. Glad to be here. All right. So maybe we should kick things off with New York Comic Con. That was a little while ago now. It was held October 5th through the 8th, 2017, up in the Jacob Javits Center. I think both of you guys were in attendance for that. Elijah, you were definitely there. Yes, I was. Yep, I was there as well. I was only uh, on the show floor on Sunday, but I was there for the Saturday panels for the Dis- the Discovery events in the Madison Square Garden Theater. Awesome. Were Elijah- you- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Heather. Yeah. Were you both there with press passes or regular passes this time? I was there uh, with a press pass for Trek Corps. Okay. I was there with a regular pass. Oh, cool. All right. Just always curious since we talked about that last time with the New Jersey Comic Con a little bit. So it's always interesting to know the differences there. Yeah, for sure. And Elijah, you were there for the entire convention. I remember talking to you a bit while you were there. No, New York Comic Con, I was always, uh, um, I'm sorry, no, uh, New York Comic Con, I was only there for two days, two two of the four. Okay. The Trek days. Ah, the Trek days. Well, I guess that would be the important focus for our discussion here tonight, the the Trek days, and they had a bit of discovery stuff going on there at New York Comic Con. You guys want to give us a little bit of a a glimpse into what went on from a discovery aspect? Sure. All right, thanks. Uh, Yeah, so um, there was, uh, at Comic Con itself, there was really one large discovery event, and that was that took place on Saturday afternoon, um, and that was actually off-site from the Javits Center. It was at the Madison Square Garden Theater, uh, which you know, if you're walking, it was about a 15-minute hike um, from uh, the Javits Center at Madison Square Garden itself, um, and that was uh, sort of your typical uh, Comic Con panel. The entire regular cast of the show was there. Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, Jason Isaacs, Doug Jones, 
um, plus some of the Klingons, uh, Mary Chifo, uh, the whole cast, uh, including um, producers uh, Kiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, Heather Caden, Gretchen Burke, and Aaron Harberts. Uh, and it was actually hosted by uh, Dr. Mae Jemison, who uh, last uh, showed up at the Trek uh, audience in uh, Las Vegas this year. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the whole crew was up on stage, and it was a good about 45 uh, or 50-minute uh, event um, with a, a lot of question and answer time from the audience and a lot of uh, discussion about, at that point, um, only – the two-hour premiere and the first regular episode context is for Kings had aired. Um, so it was the weekend before uh, the weekend of the Butcher's Knife uh, episode. Now, wait, Ken, did you mention the surprise guest that, that showed up? I didn't yet, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, there was a surprise appear, a surprise Q&A <laughs> appearance by Michelle Yeoh. Nice. Uh, the, the captain of the Shenzo. Yeah, she, she surprised, I think, everybody. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. that even the cast knew, or a majority of the cast at least knew, that uh, she was going to be making an appearance. And um, during that Q&A, she... <laughs> She walked up to the microphone and had asked whether or not we would see um, Captain Georgiou once again. <laughs> and and it's funny because there are some uh, images from that moment and you see the fan behind her. Yeah. Jaw dropped. I mean, it was it. I, I I wish I wish I was that person just to feel that excitement of having Michelle Yeoh right in front of me. Um, yeah, that, that was really exciting. It was it was certainly one of the highlights of that panel. Definitely. And I think she had like uh, sunglasses and a hat on when she came yes. off the microphone and she was wearing one of the now famous disco shirts. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the I first remember times, that now. Uh, that showed up. Yeah. Um, and at the panel, they had actually showed uh, – the first uh, opening um, opening act of what was going to be the the following day's episode, um, the sequence where we, where we see Burnham's uh, uh, uniform being replicated from the inside out. Uh, so that was sort of the sneak preview for the audience at that point. So were the fan questions like pretty positive stuff? Yeah, I I think so. I you know I think that. <laughs> Honestly, the question that stands out to me was mm-hmm. uh, someone who someone had asked specifically about the Klingons uh, and how they were being represented. This, the, the, from what I remember, and and Ken, you can correct me, um, was the the person who asked the question came from uh, a heritage of uh, colonialized. Um, engagement like they they came from they came from someone who from a history of colonialization Mm -hmm. from an outside third-party source um and so their question was very deep regarding the klingons right it was a very it was a very cultural heavy question Mm -hmm. um that um i believe it was aaron harbert addressed very diplomatically and very very well regarding how they treated the klingons which is it, yes. their dedication to the culture, their dedication to expanding the Klingons in a way that we've never seen before. Yeah, that was that was definitely a big part of that conversation. I mean, I think they even used the phrase uh, um, 
something like humanizing the Klingons in terms of making them a, a real a real culture compared to how we've seen them in the past and in the prior series. In ter- uh, the only other question that that really stands out remembering to me is uh, uh, <laughs> a fan actually did get up to the microphone and ask the uh, the producers uh, when they talk to their friends about the show and try to get their friends to join. How do they talk about the paywall? And that was the quote. Mm. They used the word paywall. Yeah. Um, so there were some groans from the uh, audience at that, but uh, the producers, I think, I think it was either Heather Caden or Gretchen Burke, handled it fairly diplomatically. You know, trying to say that you know, yes, it's part of the service, but you know, we try to make the presentation and the content worth the cost that people may pay to watch it on CBS All Access. So you know, really making it worth that subscriber fee that it's not just another show, a real cinematic effort and all those other things we've now seen as the series has progressed. Did that person seem to have their question satisfied? <laughs> um, that, that's a good question. You know, you know, which you can always kind of tell some people have a little bit of an agenda when they try to ask questions like that. But yeah. uh, I thought the audience responded well to uh, how they handled that answer from the stage. Mm-hmm. And that event looked pretty full from from those photos that we saw. Was there a pretty big audience for that panel then? There was. There was certainly a a, a pretty big yeah. audience. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to tell because the thing about the Madison Square Garden Theater was that they were holding many big ticket events there, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it, it there was a combination of of um flow over from previous events and people sitting in their same seats because they weren't Mm. emptying out the theater between Mm -hmm. panels. So how many people were there for Trek versus how many people were there for like the following panel is hard to tell. However, sitting there and I, and I got there, I got there just in time. I got there just after Mae Jemison had, uh, had been introduced. The, the theater seemed full and not only did it seem full, but it felt electrified. Like it felt that, that, that a majority of people sitting in that theater were in fact Trekkies Trekkers. Yeah. I thought that I felt that a little bit as well. Now I had a little bit of a different experience than, than your, your arrival. Um, I planned out my day once I learned the panels that were surrounding Discovery at the theater, I spent my Saturday at the Madison Square Garden Theater. So the Discovery panel was somewhere around, I want to say, maybe it was like 3 p.m., something like that. And right before the Discovery panel was Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with that entire cast, which um, that packed the house during that, that hour. And uh, scheduled right after the Discovery panel was uh, Marvel's uh, panel for the Punisher series on Netflix, followed by the Walking Dead panel. Wow. So, so it was really sandwiched right in the middle of a, a lot of big ticket items for that, um, that, uh, that theater. So kind of knowing what was surrounding that, I, I, I got to the Madison Square Garden around 930 in the morning. And just, you know, waited in line with a bunch of people to get into the theater. Um, I, I camped out during a panel for uh, a series I'd never heard of, but clearly had a very uh, passionate uh, younger female audience. Uh, 
I'd say. Uh, and then once that cleared out, um, there was definitely uh, a solid packed house for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. Um, their whole cast was there, which I guess hadn't really happened outside of San Diego Comic-Con before. And they also showed something like 30 minutes of the upcoming season's premiere um, for that panel. Um, wow. And then the rest of the people who may not have been there for either that or Discovery were truly camping out all day for the um, Walking Dead panel. Uh, that's certainly got a passionate fan base. And there were people who were there for – going to be there for eight, nine hours that, in that day in that theater. I wonder if we picked up any fans from those other fan bases. And certainly hope so. I mean, uh, so in New York Comic Con, you can actually plant yourself in a seat in the theater and just stay there until the panel you want starts up. So, uh, yeah, New York Comic Con's run by uh, Reed Pop, who did, um, you know, uh, last year's Mission New York panel. And aside from their main stage events in the Javits Center, um, they don't clear the theater. So if you want a good seat and you found one and you can sit there all day if you want in most of those other uh, uh, venues. Exactly. You can't hold the seat. If you want to get up and leave and come back, you can't hold it, right? Not really. I mean if someone's nice sitting next to you or you have somebody you're there with to hold your seat while you go to the restroom or go to get a beverage or something, that's one thing. But um, yeah, leaving for more than a few minutes probably isn't a very good idea. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting, though, with a, a mixed convention like that, Elijah was saying he he's found a lot of Trek fans there. He felt a lot of Trek fans mm-hmm. at that panel. That That's really interesting to me because a lot of times I go to the bigger mixed cons and, and the Star Trek presence just isn't as strong at a lot of those. It's kind of cool that that was there. Yeah, I think the fact that it had a specific event probably draws yes. some. Yes. Yes, yeah. A specific event is certainly what drew – the Trekkies into one location because here's the thing about, about something like New York comic con versus something like Star Trek Las versus something like Star Trek Las Vegas or something like uh, Star Trek, New Jersey or a localized Star Trek convention that's hosted by creation is that um, it's so big. Like it, there's no other way to describe it. Right. It's massive. And I find myself uh, – my first New York Comic-Con experience, I want to say was in 2013 or something like that. It was it was a while ago. It was, it was, I was looking through pictures earlier today and I can't remember what year it was. But um, it wasn't that long ago. 2009 maybe was actually my first New York Comic-Con. And I had I had already been to Star Trek Las Vegas and I remember – I remember feeling the same thing I feel at New York Comic Con, which is, man, there's not enough track here, man. I'm all by myself. I got nothing. I got. I have no camaraderie. There's like, I. It, it's so packed and so dense, and there's so many. There, there, there are so many franchises involved and so much lore um, that it's very easy to be overwhelmed and very easy to get lost. That's absolutely true, and I certainly found that when I um, migrated to the uh, the Javits on on Sunday, um, that was the day that I chose to go to the actual show floor. Um, I, I live a couple hours away from New York, so I had to sort of pick my days and for being in town. Um, now, the nice thing about the Javits is 
you know, it certainly got a lot of floor space, but um, compared to what was there last year for Mission New York, it was like, I mean, you were shoulder to shoulder with people in a lot of those uh, walkways. Um, and whether you were in the, in the vendors area or, um, you know, down in one of the lower levels trying to get to one of the autograph rooms, it could get, it could probably get pretty claustrophobic for some people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not, not to mention just, you know, the, the, the massive mix of, um, you know, media and, uh, artistry and different, uh, production teams. Just, there's so much going on. You can just turn around the wrong direction and you never find somebody you might have visited there with again until you both leave. Uh, it's, it's a real, uh, maelstrom of, act of activity there for sure. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I remember that I kind of withdrew from going to New York comic con was just the intense, intense crowd sizes. So I guess mm -hmm. that's not something that's going to change anytime soon. But um, did you guys happen to notice in, in amongst these giant crowds, was there a, a significant amount of Star Trek cosplay mixed in there anywhere? I I didn't. No, <laughs> only yourself. Yeah, only yeah. If, and, and all I did was wear my jacket, my Star Trek Online <laughs> jacket. Um, yeah, no, it, you know, it's it, which is a shame, right? Because yeah. <sighs> this is how I felt in two thousand nine. Is that um, Star Trek is is terribly underserved in a convention like this. Yeah. Um, there is so much Marvel, so much Marvel, so much uh, um, Star, Star Wars, Wars yeah. Disney. Yeah, right. Ooh. Now, now, now all in one, right? So, so much of, of, of that type of presence. And yet I wish that, that CBS would invest more money into something like, New York Comic Con, right? Into something like Read Pop. Now they did with the um, Discovery Panel, but uh, there were there were only a handful of of vendors that were dealing with New York Comic Con exclusives, right? So you had IDW that, that I think had a, a one comic, if that. I don't, I don't I don't think that they yeah they had they had two things if I remember one they had sort of um and this is something they had at Las Vegas as well they had sort of a uh, a a hard uh, paperboard slick of their upcoming discovery number one comic cover um and on the back of that was a variant cover of the Shen uh, the Shenzhou uh, but again that was just a double sided print not an actual comic um, but they did have um, John Byrne who does the Star Trek New Visions photo novels had a had a um, a signing and a, uh, a, a New York Comic Con exclusive cover, I believe, mm -hmm. on the Friday of the show. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you're right. In terms of vendors, it you know there's a big there's a big Marvel vendor, there's a big Star Wars room, a big DC movie section. You know all those big things you see. And when it came to Star Trek, you kind of had to seek out names of vendors that we from the fan base are aware of, like Fansets or Novos or some of the book publishers or, you know, Eagle Moss, which actually had a pretty nice position near the front of the vendors room um, for all their Star Trek and other uh, ship models. Um, but there really wasn't any one sort of concentrated area that was just Star Trek. 
Um, now, I will say that on the outside of the Javits Center, um, when you approach the building uh, as a um, pedestrian getting to the entry areas, uh, it's sort of a long uh, walkway on a sidewalk you know, as you uh, traverse the length of the Javits Center. That entire walkway was covered in Star Trek Discovery character banners. So they were the same um, sort Wait, of character where? at the front of the Javits Center. So, oh, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Uh, along the fence, along the that's, fence. That's yeah, right. I remember. Yes, yes. So yes, yes. Um, these, these are the posters that debuted in, in Vegas, the close-up mm-hmm. of each character's eye. Yes. Um, and so they were sort of in a vertical banner layout. So there was probably – with the length of the Javits, there was probably 40 of them, uh, of those long posters, uh, just repeated, um, for the entire length of the building. So at least it had a visual presence in the front. Right. Uh, but once you were sort of inside, you kind of had to go find the trek yourself if you knew right, where. Right. The yeah. big, um, the other big event other than the discovery panel was the interview with the author of the Jean-Luc Picard um autobiography like that's really oh, like the, uh, the next big thing yeah david a goodman is that mm-hmm. his name yeah. it's david, and, right on oh name. my goodness i oh, okay all right so I'm, I'm 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 gonna give i'm gonna lay down some truth here that was such a horrible interview oh my god oh no oh i yeah because i i it was one of those things that i was like okay i have to i have to get to i have to listen to and 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 see if there's anything um worth reporting on um but the the interviewers really had no clue what they were like interviewing for hmm. they there was it was just these generic star trek questions uh it, 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 oh it was just it was it was so disappointing so disappointing Oh, that's too bad. That, that I didn't get a chance to see that. Um, I think that 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 was Saturday, right? Uh yes, yes, I believe that. Was <laughs> yeah, that's probably when I was camped at down at Madison Square Garden. But um, I know David Mack was there signing, though he was there yeah, signing yes. his, his Desperate Hours, the Discovery. Uh, and novel. that was on like Sunday. That was either on Sunday or Friday. That was the day that I wasn't there. I think. I don't, but yeah. but the 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 what I guess what I'm trying to say is that. There were there were the, the the Star Trek highlights at Reed Pop's New York Comic Con were few and far between, because they had interviewed the author of the Picard autobiography live, like they did it they did it at this like separate little theater at the convention. There were chairs. There was it was a live stream kind of a, event where people could watch if they weren't at Comic Con. And the hosts just were just so unprepared. I was like, I was antsy. I was sitting there antsy, like, oh my God, can I, can, please, let me just let me ask a question. Please, let me just get up there. Let me, can I take over? Please, I can do this. I can do this. Any one I, of us, any one of us here could have done a better job at the interview. I find it so interesting since, because they also do Mission New York, right? And Mission New York was great. Read Pop, I'm talking about. Right. Um, so I wonder why they didn't know to be prepared or at least have Trek knowledgeable people doing interviews when they've done an entire Star Trek convention already. I think that, well, interestingly enough is that I think that that particular interview was done on Twitch. It was done on twitch.tv. Uh, so it may have been, it may have, it, it may not have been read pop, but instead 
Amazon people, right? Because okay. didn't Amazon recently buy out um, Twitch? So, um, it, I yeah, it may have been a separate read pop, separate from read pop. Okay. Uh, did you guys want to talk any about then? I assume there weren't many Star Trek vendors if there wasn't much of the Star oh, Trek presence. Yeah. yeah. And, and I kind of made a rundown of who I saw was there. I kind of planned out my venture through the chaos there on the floor. So, I mean, first, you know, obviously fan sets, um, who a lot of us have, have dealt with, uh, for, for many things. I know you guys have been running the contest on the, uh, unofficial Las Vegas Facebook group for those new pins. Um, I got a chance to, uh, talk to, uh, Lou, the, the, their sort of, uh, director there. And he said that, um, you know, they had, you know, Marvel pins, they do DC pins, and obviously the Star Trek pins that we've all seen here the last several months. And he told me that they were making their most sales on Star Trek pins at, yeah. at, the, at oh. the event. Um, they were selling out of all sorts of the regular character pins that they've kind of been running out. Uh, and then, of course, they also had their own Star Trek uh, Discovery New York Comic Con exclusive pin the um delta shield with the uh discovery ship on it i yeah. don't know if uh, any of you were able to get one yes. of those they are yeah our awesome. dear our dear friend marina kravchuk our uh, convention correspondent was nice enough to pick those up and send them to us oh nice uh, so i have one in my hand and thank you marina <laughs> thank you marina yes i have one too thank you yeah, it's really nice. Um, let's see. Uh, there were several book publishers there. Um, uh, Simon and Schuster there uh, had, you know, some of their usual uh, Star Trek uh, books, and David Mack was signing for Desperate Hours. Um, Titan Books um, was there. They're the publisher of the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard uh, and the new um, Joel Harlow Star Trek Beyond um, makeup effects book. Right. Um, and they had a they had another exclusive pin, which I believe is a Fansets production of the Enterprise D, um, sort of a, a top down um, pin of the, of the Enterprise D that you could that you would get there if you bought a copy of the Picard uh, autobiography from their booth. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Anovos was there, and they had their sort of prototype Discovery uniforms on display. Um, they were not letting people get too close because they were still prototypes. Um, I was able to talk to one of the booth uh, representatives there, and uh, there were still some things about what they had on display that were going to be changed, some of the materials. And uh, it was all sort of uh, clothes pinned together on the back of their mannequins. So they didn't want people getting uh, really to, to look behind uh, any of that stuff. Mm. don't touch our thousand dollar prototype costumes yeah pretty much but they did have the um more sort of like 50 dollar range uh, away mission shirts uh those are sort of like the um short sleeve uh early season one season two next generation uniform shirts um like they just kind of have like a, a a graphic of the starfleet delta on them um so i'm not sure how uh you know the 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 quality or durability of it. I didn't get the chance to really examine it closely, but that was one of the other Star Trek items they had on display. Uh, Chronicle Books was there. They did. They've been doing the Star Trek Cats books. 
Oh, right. Jenny Park, I think, is the author. Mm -hmm. So they had those books and they also had um, the Star Trek Cats pins um, that they've had out for a couple of months now. And they had a show exclusive um, that I believe it was uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday each day. They were giving away um, patches uh, like uh, sew on or iron on patches, one of the Kirk cat one of the spock cat and one i believe the scotty cat um for show attendees i think they were like five dollars a piece as an exclusive um let's see homework was there um you know we saw them at las vegas um where they showed in, in las vegas they showed the first of uh the 2018 planned uh, star trek uh ornaments they have coming which was the scene of sulu with the uh uh fencing from the naked time in the original series um since then they also announced that the uss discovery is coming and then in new york they showed the third 2018 uh planned ornament which is an original series tricorder and let's see, that was pretty much it. IDW, they didn't have um, too much aside from what we've already discussed. And then last, uh, this this is probably most notable, and I know, um, Elijah, you checked this out. Uh, Eagle Moss was there, and they had their mm-hmm. USS Discovery and USS mm-hmm. Shenzhou large-scale oh, yeah. prototype models on display. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, IDW had their booth, and then they also had a uh, party for um, their yes. subscribers that were there. And um, I, I, I was humbled by the fact that I was invited to attend uh, to their offsite party. Um, and so they, they not only did they have the Discovery and the Shenzo on display, but they had most of their iconic ships of star from star trek on display and then and then <laughs> they teased battlestar galactica <gasps> oh, wow. oh, oh yes. my goodness have, gracious they have some I, of their, their prototype uh fighters there in their little glass case i think yes. too yes they did yes they did yes they did and i mean it was it was just marvelous to see that because i'm a big Galactica fan, especially the 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 uh, the reimagining by Ronald D. Moore, and I I immediately fell in love. It's like it's one of those things that's like, yeah, I'll pay I'll pay whatever money I need to pay to get these <laughs> ships because I love them. Um, their event also um, included a, a DeLorean from Back to the Future, which is. Um, how do I describe it? It's it's you subscribe and you end up getting pieces of the DeLorean over yes, time I I, where I you end up building a, a, a scaled model of the DeLorean piece by piece. Yeah, it's a, like a model kit subscription mm-hmm. uh, situation. Yeah, but their their dis- their discovery and uh, Shinzo were, were really nice looking. They were not uh, they did not have finalized paint. Uh, on them they were very clear to stress that and they had little signs that said you know paint not final uh for those taking photos um but the the detail on on both ships was really really fantastic and they are definitely larger than the sort of regular size um eagle moss ships that people might be familiar with they're closer to uh eight eight or nine inches long each um so they're definitely the the larger scale i believe their plan is that once 
because that's going to be a separate model subscription if you subscribe to the existing uh, Eagle Moss Starships collection. Um, and I buy- think you have to sign up for those now, I think, right? Cause- that's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a separate subscription. I mean, obviously, you'll be able to buy them individually like they sell through their web store now. But um, they do have subscriptions, sort of subscription pre-orders open now for their Discovery line. I think the Shenzo is supposed to be their first release in January or very early February, if I remember correctly. They also had two of their other not yet released large scale, or I guess they're calling the the, the jumbo or the XL Starships line. Uh, they had their mm-hmm. USS Voyager and their NX01 models, which are also in the eight to nine inch uh, length, and those are supposed mm-hmm. to be out I think towards the end of uh, 2017. I know they had a couple of their their larger ones at STLV too. I just can't remember which ones they were. Uh, I know one of our friends, Jim Morehouse picked one up yeah at vegas they had the original enterprise the enterprise d and the enterprise e models of the xl size so these are the next ones down the line so i think it's good time to move on to the other event um after the comic-con so the paley center event was was not related to comic-con it was a different event so different ticket that you had to do that did you both go to that yes yes i was Cool. Who wants to tell us about it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll start by saying that it was a it was a much more intimate um, event. Where I mean, it was it was a much smaller theater. Um, I I almost felt like I could reach out and touch them. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, in, in, intimate is definitely the right word. Yeah. I mean, com, com, it's it's definitely like a uh, it's a very small, almost like a, like what do you like a black box, small performing theater. Um, but even the stage is not that large. I mean, there might've been maybe 15 or 20 rows of seats. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe 20 people across. So it's definitely a very, uh, very small venue, um, for these interview type uh, presentations. And, at one point, they sort of rearranged where where people sat, and uh, I ended up in like the third row, and I, and I felt that I was almost like right up in someone's, <laughs> almost right up in their faces of the the whole cast, since there was almost a dozen people squeezed onto the stage between uh, the cast and the production uh, team that was there accompanying them. So, did this one then have a moderator as well? Uh, yes, it had a moderator, an individual from. Um, Who's that? CNN, right? Uh, actually, I believe he's a part of CBS News. Oh, their yes, team. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I I can't remember offhand um, the uh, the gentleman's name, but um, I thought he did a, a fairly uh, decent job. He he seemed to he seemed to know his Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as much as the role required. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't anything about the event that was. Um headline breaking i want to say i mean uh over the over the last week for instance we finally had a definitive answer regarding michael burnham the name michael like where where mm-hmm. did that where where did that stem from and it was from the archangel michael i don't i i feel that we did not get that from anything from 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 new york whether it, whether it was the uh comic-con event at madison or at the paley center um 
my honestly, my biggest takeaway from the Paley event mm-hmm. was how remarkably diplomatic they all are. Like how mm-hmm. how beautifully articulate they are when addressing questions that are hot topics, whether it be about race, whether it be mm-hmm. about gender, whether it be about uh, sexuality and its representation in Star Trek. I think that, uh, like, I, I specifically remember Sonequa, uh, Anthony, and uh, um, why is his name escaping me? Wilson Cruz. Wilson Cruz. Yes. 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 I. I. Those three handled some very difficult questions mm. beautifully and those questions regarding race gender sexuality and what that means in the future if at all if it means anything in the future which mm-hmm. uh, which to them it doesn't and yeah. that's remarkable were they fan questions or were they from the moderator so this is a great point, and I really wanted to bring up this part about the questions because it actually harkens back to some of the conversation that uh, many of us had at Las Vegas this year and that you talked about on your Las Vegas wrap-up shows, the questions for the event. So unlike Las Vegas or Comic-Con proper, there wasn't a microphone line. There wasn't a spot for people to go and, and stand in front of the uh, panel and give their questions. Questions were were uh, collected in writing before the panel and then provided to the moderator to ask. Awesome. And there were actually people in the audience while we were waiting for it to start. I actually heard them comment about, boy, I wish we could do this at Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, okay. So do you happen to remember like one of these questions, like how it was phrased? I'm just curious if it came from like what, what side of fandom they came from basically boy i i don't remember too much about the the specific questions themselves at this point unfortunately okay um but th- they were all um they all seemed to be good conversation starters for um you know the cast that, that were there and as um elijah said you know the, these are some these are some smart people in this in this cast and they really yeah. know how to how to speak very well about a lot of different topics yeah. um the the most of things that I remember in terms of real show related uh, information mostly came from some of the production team uh, talking about how the character of Saru was originally some uh, a much more uh, intricate alien character with like up to ten or twelve eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that you know the tardigrade was originally going to be some sort of uh, actual crew member uh, on the discovery. Ephraim. That's I right. Guess Ephraim. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, one tidbit that came out is that um, uh, Saru's uh, his, his uh, snacking on blueberries wandering the halls of the Discovery actually came from a habit that Brian Fuller had right. uh, when he was in the right. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Show. That was great. Yeah. Okay. So those, those are some nice, um, nice moments there. But uh, when the whole 
when the whole thing concluded, um, uh, I'm sorry, Heather, you go ahead. Oh, no, finish, finish, please. What I was going to say was when the whole thing concluded, what was really nice is that, um, uh, you know, like uh, a lot of um, maybe, you know, Broadway or other performing shows, there was sort of a stage door area where the cast came out afterwards and then spoke to and, and took photos and autographs with a lot of the fans who were there, uh, there to see them afterwards. I think, um, you know, Marina uh, shared a number of her photos in the unofficial yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Elijah, I think you had one with somebody. Oh, I had, yeah, I had any rap. Yeah, I hear, yeah, but it was like, excuse me, uh, Mr. Rap, can I, can I take a picture with you, please? And he was like, give me like, yeah, fine, fine, I'll give you a picture. Yeah, it was, it was definitely not, not a picture that I was willing to share on like the priority one uh, right. aspect of it because it was <laughs> – it was me fanning out. I was like, For sure. Mr. Rabbit, was, uh, you're in rent and I do a lot of music theater. Please, can I just do one picture? And yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was blurry and horrible and I just oh. didn't care. I just, I have it. That's all I care about. Oh, it's very right. special to have. So <laughs> yeah, I I really hope that we get to see something like this at STLV um, just because I think that events like that, where you get to listen to the actors that are so well-spoken, I, I just feel like that's something that a lot of fans that aren't connecting with Discovery aren't getting and I would hope that maybe seeing and, you know, some fans out there just don't care because they're the ones that hate diversity, apparently, and hate having gay people in Star Trek and everything else. And so you can never placate those people. Um, but maybe for for some people that are on the fence about it, um, getting to listen to the actors talk about discovery, you, I mean, you can tell that they are passionate about this, like at least people like Sonequa and Anthony, people that are there for, for the long run. Um, I don't know so much about some of the one-off characters uh, that were there for an episode or two, but like you can tell that, that they get Star Trek. They, they understand um, why it is so loved and they want to honor Star Trek. And I feel like maybe if, if they're there sitting in front of us, like maybe that will get through to some of the people that just aren't connecting with discovery. Yeah, I have to agree. I think, um, you know, the more that we see of, uh, you know, the actors off off camera um, and in person, I, I, the, the more of a connection I think that people definitely will, will find with them. And even just the, the, the limited interaction um, that, that folks had with the, um, the representation at Vegas this year um, was a good start. And I certainly hope to, to expand that next year as well, for sure. Right, right. Look at, look at how Sonico Martin-Green uh, handled um, Pierce Morgan on mm -hmm. British Today. This is this is a, a <laughs> video that was uh traveling a, around the interwebs this this last week. Um you know, I think that it it I get it. I get it that CBS is is almost thinking like we have the the Trek fans in the bag, but mm. it's really us, right? Yeah. It's all of yeah. us that 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 are going to push for a second, the second season that 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 uh, has been confirmed, and the third and the fourth, and hopefully moving forward, right? I mean, um, yeah, and I don't think it's in the bag. I really, even though we've been renewed for a second season, there's still, I I feel like, and maybe it's just because there's such a dichotomy 
in the world today and it's beyond Star Trek fandom. But I feel like at least half of Star Trek fans are still not watching it or hate watching it or just not liking it, not connecting it. I've seen people who who are watching it and they're still just like, I don't like it. I this is the worst Star Trek, etc. Um, I'm really curious to see what will happen, you know, once this full season ends. I know that CBS All Access is they've just announced like they're rebooting Twilight Zone and I'm hoping that that rumor about Nicholas Meyer maybe working on some other Star Trek show. I mean, we haven't haven't heard anything about that since it was a rumor, but I feel like they're going to need something else to keep the momentum going. But I feel like it's 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 those of us here who you know, love Star Trek, but are also really enjoying the show that are, yeah, we're the ones being positive about it and we're ranting and raving and, and supporting it, but there's still a large part of the fandom that's not supporting it. Um, so I think there's, there's caution there. Yeah. And what are the ripple effects of both halves of those Star Trek of the Star Trek fandom on people who are not necessarily Star Trek fans who would be subscribing to watch Discovery? You know, they people are looking on social media and comment threads on articles about discovery and seeing, you know, positive and negative stuff. And wonder what the impact on, um, you know, new Star Trek fans mm-hmm. would be. seeing that kind of, you know, toxicity of some of the folks out there having some of the, 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 the nasty things that they've been saying about the show and the diversity. And I don't know I, I like to think the positive voices can outweigh them and, and help sway some of the newer fans to, to come on board but um the negative stuff definitely doesn't help i think that if if twilight zone and this new buddy cop co- uh comedy that they're oh, doing right i think that if, if these these two things kick off um what we may see is a um, um the, the word is escaping me a um retroactive um, commitment to Star Trek, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that Twilight Zone is going to reach an audience that um, is both Star Trek and beyond. Uh, the buddy, the buddy comedy that is that that includes Will Ferrell and uh, Tim Meadows from from an SNL that I miss. Oh, right, yes. that that's like that's like the last yeah. SNL that I ever watched. Yeah. Uh, was with Tim Meadows. Um, and Tim Meadows was there for a long while, like even after Feral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think early Tim Meadows. Um, I, like it may, I, I may, I may have been the kind of person that says, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to subscribe to this." And then, oh look, I'm discovering discovery kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's people, the re- people who are resisting the whole subscription notion. Uh, you know, getting past that. I'm I'm not paying for just one show. Mindset is is the hurdle that still needs to be uh, cleared for I think for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and it's it's also the quality as well. Which like right now, yeah, you can go watch the older series on CBS All Access, but they're they're not comparable to the quality of oh, of Netflix. Why? Why um, is I don't that? like I don't get baby. I don't get it. Um, and, Warmaganders. 
Yeah. <laughs> why why is it that CBS does not have the HD versions of TNG or uh-huh. TOS? <laughs> there's no why. There's no HD versions and then CBS All Access has no fast forward or like you know 15 Skip second fast, yeah that type of thing. Um and then in addition now I have not had major problems with with the service. I thankfully was able to avoid that terrible weekend where, you know, most people couldn't watch it um, or whatever they said it was 15%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was much higher than that, but um, I, I do have intermittent skipping or buffering or whatnot. Uh, it's gotten better, but I do still see reports of other people that are having issues to the point of canceling. Mm-hmm. And that's really really frustrating because I feel like at this point, um, and I understand there are third party services at play, but I feel like at this point, like they've got the audiences watching, they've we're almost to the ninth episode. Like you, you should have it figured out by now. Uh, people should not be experiencing those problems at at the level that I'm seeing it. I I agree. I, I only had that one problem with that one episode, uh, that you were mentioning, but other than that, I've had a, a pretty, uh, a pretty smooth ride watching discovery but you're not watching it when it's aired like when it's yeah i am a lot of times i am yeah there's only a couple that i actually missed um and had to watch later but most of them i've watched at 8 30 when they've gone live but um i mean the only issue that i really have watching them when they're live for some reason the apple tv app never puts the newest episode at the front of the list I always have to scroll around and try to find where it is in the list, and it's usually near the end. Like, oh, there it is. So. Yeah, the Roku, the Roku app. That's that's what I watch on. Does the same thing. It puts it to yeah. the end of the list, not not the most prominent new new listing. Yeah, it does it. It does it on the CBS website too. That way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, after, four, so yeah, after track, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, after track is in newest order, like <laughs> so most weird. recent date. Like what? What? Yeah, it's a little I. It's funny. I just got an email today from somebody who um, shared their exchange with the CBS Interactive support team, and it was less than stellar for the Apple TV. Um, These and and it had to do with the fact with that very thing that you mentioned um, about the the, you know, the the 15 percent that had the, the problem over the weekend on Apple TV, blah, blah, blah. But it 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 took like a week and a half for him to get a reply, and it was mm-hmm. oh, it just. But anywho, yeah. Well, well, let's move back to kitchen <laughs> stuff. Sidebar. Um. Okay. So, anything else notable about the Paley event? I think we've probably covered it at this point. Um. Sounds like they were there for some photos at the end, and then that was kind of it, right? I wasn't there for the photos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, there, there, there again, there was there was another sort of sneak preview shown at the time. At the time, they showed the uh, the first interaction with uh, Lorca and Ash Tyler and Harry Mudd, uh, and that 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 was a week ahead of that episode's airing. So that was that was a different preview from what was shown at the um, Comic Con uh, event. But um, yeah, but past that, at this point, um, there's nothing really. Um, further, I think that we haven't already talked about it that that stood out. 
Okay, so let's move on to an experience that you had, Ken. Yeah. Um, so you were able to get one of these super secret special invites <laughs> to After Trek. Nice. I don't. How many people here watch After Trek besides me? <laughs> Uh, Jeff, I don't think you watch it, right? No, no, I, I watch it. I watch it. I do. Okay. I do. I, get, I try to get some snippets <laughs> of information, additional info. Yeah, and that's why I watch it. Um, there's the, the good little tidbits there and whatnot. Um, but Ken, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience? Sure. So, um, yeah, as as you mentioned, Heather, uh, after Trek invites, at least to my knowledge, are invite only, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm can't really say how I got mine, but I, I was able to uh, get one for the weekend of uh, Comic-Con since I was already uh, in New York City. That, that worked out well for me. So that, again, that was the um, that was the third week the show was airing. So that was the, um, the night of uh, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Um, so... After Trek is actually filmed in New York. It's not filmed in L.A. or one of the other, um, you know, entertainment cities. You, you might think a lot of these live shows are filmed at. Um, I know the Walking Dead after show, which is also produced by Embassy Row, the company that that produces After Trek, that is filmed in 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 Los Angeles, as far as I know. Um, but After Trek is actually filmed in a building in um, in Tribeca, in New York City, um, which is. Uh, for those not familiar with New York, it's um, kind of close to where the uh, the World Trade Center area of of the city is. Um, from the outside, you really would have no idea. There's no signs that say Embassy Row or really the production company. So you're just going to have to know which building to go to. Um, and you actually have to be 21 to attend uh, taping of After Trek because once you get up to where the studio is, you enter the Starfleet Lounge, which does have, uh, which does serve alcohol to its mm. adult guests. <laughs> um, so when you get inside up, it's like on the sixth or seventh floor of this building. Um, you know, there, there's a little bit of a lounge area where there's some couches and chairs, and it's all kind of space themed. Um, there's a nice big TV on the wall, and uh, that's where the audience members get to actually watch the episode that that night after Trek will be about. So um, they had the night that I was there, a, uh, um, I guess it's, uh, it wasn't a streaming copy of the episode. It was, you know, just a, a digital version that they were playing directly there for the audience from CBS um, so that that could be completed before uh, the, the live show uh, prep could begin. So there was um, – the audience is not very large for these shows. I would say when I was there, there might have been a total of maybe 14 audience members, including myself. Yeah. Um, so you know, we got to hang out and watch the episode for a bit. Um, the – uh, the lounge uh, menu. Um, there were three uh, three choices uh, for uh, for alcohol. One was a Romulan ale, which is blue Gatorade and vodka. Um, <laughs> this, this is the menu they they had out for everyone. Um, one was a Sumerian sunset, which is I guess tequila and orange juice, according to their recipe. 
and the last is called Beam Me Up with Beam in quotation marks, and that's uh, whiskey and Coke mm. um, as, 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 their, as their choices. So, um, you know, we all got to sit uh, in the lounge and watch the episode, and uh, for this taping, this is where um, Jason Isaacs and Doug Jones were the guests, um, along with um, the showrunners Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg. And about uh, five minutes into the episode, Doug Jones and uh, Jason Agassiz came out and hung out with us to watch the episode on the couches with the rest of us. Pretty awesome. Which was really neat. Uh, and this was this was the the first episode where we saw how the uh, the spore drive worked and all that. So it was kind of a interesting event to watch with a group like that. Um, and they certainly seemed very into the episode when they were watching it because uh, I don't think, at least from what some of the cast members have said in interviews, they don't really get to see any of the episodes ahead of time either. So this, I think, was their first experience seeing the episode. Yeah, yeah. That's really neat. So so do you watch the episode first and then they film After Trek? Uh, yeah, I mean, After Trek is, is filmed and streamed to all access live on Sunday evenings. So right, the, right. the episode, um, we did get to see it. I think we might have gotten to see it maybe 10 minutes before it released onto CBS All Access. It wasn't uh, it wasn't like a very early screening like that. Um, but uh, once once it was completed, we all uh, were uh, shepherded through uh, the offices of this uh, the production uh, area onto the stage of After Trek, which with that big uh, big wooden table shaped like shaped like the Star Trek <laughs> Delta, it looks pretty. It looks pretty large there on TV. It is not a large room. I, yeah. I would say the stage is maybe the size of maybe a little bit larger than a regular sized hotel room. Um, basically, the width of that table with maybe three feet on each side is really the size. Uh, how big that is. And and with some of the episodes of After Trek that have had maybe four guests on them, you can kind of tell everyone's shoulder to shoulder at that table. Yeah. So that's a good reason why they have Skype people too, <laughs> aside yeah. from the actor's inability to get there, but it's also convenient for not squeezing in more people. That too. So the, um, the, uh, the dozen or so of us that were there as audience members uh, kind of squeeze into uh, two corners of the stage um, behind uh, th- – I think there was four cameras and then there's a little bit of a control booth as well. Um, and then once the episode is airing, there's a production team member to uh, sort of coach a little bit on when to clap, when to cheer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when the – episodes are starting when it goes to a commercial break and, and so forth. Um, but uh, definitely everyone involved seems like they're really, um, you know, really interested in, in the subject matter and uh, interested in Star Trek. Um, you know, Matt and Myra, who's the host, he actually flies in from uh, California every week to film the show. Yeah, that's what I heard. And, and <laughs> Whoa. That's insanity. I never, I had not heard that. Holy yep. crap. Cause he, he's based in LA and he writes for a TV show out there and he does other shows in Los Angeles area. So he flies into New York on either early Sundays or late Saturday does after Trek and then catches an early flight back to the West coast. So he's been doing that every week for the last, I guess, almost two and a half months now. My sinuses would be so messed <laughs> know, up. Right. 
There's no way that I'd be able to do a five and a half hour flight. But oh man, there's just no way. There's just no way. All the Afrin, all the Nasonex, <laughs> all you name it. It's just I that I'd have to take that. Well, maybe that will give people a little bit more appreciation for him since he's getting um a little pushback. Well, I'll tell you, he he definitely is somebody who knows his his Star Trek. Um, yeah, he has his own um, Star Trek: The Next Generation podcast mm-hmm. um, uh, about uh, the show, and he, he definitely is is a wealth uh, of knowledge on the series. I mean, a lot of the the references he'll make during taping, um, I can probably tell you, are not in the uh, are not on the teleprompter. Yeah. Um, so he knows his deep cut, uh, and there, there's a lot of nice. Um, uh, discovery related props that are there on the stage. You can see when it's on, on television, a lot of it are some of the things that we saw on display in Las Vegas or at San Diego comic-con, like, uh, the discovery phaser and tricorder and communicator and, uh, all those various props. Um, they also have one of the prototypes of Eagle Moss's USS discovery starship model. there on the stage. Um, and a number of Star Trek and science-related books uh, that have come out over the last several years. And what started out as just uh, one or two triples on the shelf <laughs> each week is growing into a, a, a large, expanding pile of triples with each new week. So that's that's a fun little gag they're doing well, as well. Shazad Latif will have to be very careful when he goes on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, so one last question and then we'll move on, but were they pretty good with like, I mean, I know that Doug Jones and Jason Isaacs, like were there watching Mm -hmm. with you. Um, but were they pretty cool with like letting you talk to them or like take a picture or was it a hands-off situation? Um, it seemed like it was relatively casual. Um, you know, there was, Obviously, a representative or two from CBS who was there in terms of, you know, covering the actors and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it it, it wasn't really um, it definitely wasn't, you know, like you think of don't don't speak to the talent, that kind of right. thing. Right. Yeah. They basically said, hey, make room on me, for, make room with uh, for me on the couch. I'm, I'm coming to watch. <laughs> Um, so yeah. people squeezed over and let them in. And uh, but once the taping was over, um there wasn't really a lot of um, time to really speak to the actors because most of they were trying to just sort of clear everyone out to, to wrap the production for the evening, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, a few of us asked and, you know, we were able to go take some photos of the, the set and the, the backing and the, the props they had on display um, just as a sort of a memento of the visit. Um, and uh, that, that was, um, since that was Doug Jones first appearance on the show, he had brought his, uh, sort of um, his Saru hoof boots uh, right. as well. So I was able to get some good photos of those up close. Um, but but past that, it was really kind of, um, you know, the actors kind of had to get uh, on their way to wherever their next uh, location was going to be. Yeah. Well, that I'm really glad that you got to go. I think everyone here is envious. <laughs> uh, we all want the secret invitation. So if you're listening out there... <laughs> I'll come from Denver. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to the last subject we're going to talk about, which is the Star Trek Starfleet Academy experience, which was in New York last year and has returned for, I think, another like five month period. Uh, 
in New York, yeah. they had um, the Live Long and Trek on Star Trek celebration early this month. Um, Elijah, you were there for that. And then Ken, you attended the Academy last year. So Elijah, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the event on November 3rd? It was the exact same thing as it was last year. Um, I was there. Yeah, no, because I was there at the Intrepid uh, when it debuted. Um, the experience is, in fact, the um, exact same interactive experience that you uh, would have um, experienced at the Intrepid um, last this time last year. Um, the, on the only difference is, is that the... <laughs> The Liberty Science Center is certainly much more interactive than uh, the Intrepid, right? The Intrepid is – the Intrepid had a hangar essentially built for the experience. And then you could also tour the Intrepid separately, whereas in at the Liberty Science Center, it's in-house. So you buy the ticket and you can experience – the Liberty Science Center exhibits and the Star Trek uh, experience. Um, it's it's it really is the the the, the exact same thing. Um, it uh, <laughs> uh, and stuff, it, it has it, it has suffered some um, travel problems. <laughs> Where at, and what I mean by that is that some things work and some things don't. <laughs> since, yeah. it's, since it's been since it's been at the Intrepid, um, but that doesn't that doesn't take away from the 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 experience. Now, nothing from Discovery is at the Liberty Science Center. Um, it's all TOS, TNG, Voyager, DS Nine. So for someone like me who's never been, then is it props? Is it like sets, like a TOS bridge type thing? What exactly is oh, it? Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Go ahead. Sure. Well, it's it, it, first of all, just just to clarify on the travel uh, issues that Elijah mentioned, it is a touring exhibit. So right. it started out at the Intrepid in New York City last year, and then it moved to. Uh, Actually, I believe it started in Canada last year and then came to the Intrepid or something like that. And then it's after it left the Intrepid um, in or late 2016 or early 2017, it went back to another location in Canada and now is back in the New York area again. Um, so what they have there, it's a combination of true uh, screen-used props and costumes from the nice. – um, I'll say the Paramount era of Star Trek television – um, along with a few of the original series films, and um, I think they have a couple of Kelvin timeline props there, just maybe a handful like a tricorder or a phaser, that kind of thing. I, from oh, life, I, from I, I, I didn't even see. I, I did not see that. I, I certainly didn't see that. Yeah, at, le at least they, that. at least that was there when it was at the Intrepid last year. Mm. Um, some of those props may have changed. I, you know, I'm not sure how that that's managed. Um, but in addition to those, which are really just kind of in display cases throughout the um, exhibit, um, it's you go as the guise of a, uh, a Starfleet Academy attendee. So there's a lot of interactive stations with um, you know touch screens and activities of trivia and um, 
you know, I think there's like a, a medical section where you sort of have a pretend sick, a pretend sick bay where you're using a, a tricorder to scan a uh, mannequin of a downed officer. Um, Klingon, they're Klingons. Oh, excuse me, yeah, a, 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 a downed Klingon. Excuse me. Um, there's, uh, I think there's some like navigation things, mm-hmm. and a, uh, I think there's, there's. Did they have the uh, the transporter that they had there last year? Yeah, yeah, they had everything. Everything that okay. was at the Intrepid was there. So, the the navigational experience where you had to choose what planet you had to go to. Uh, tactical, they had the the Wii remote that was not calibrated mm-hmm. since 1999. That's the phaser, the, the, the phaser training. <laughs> yes, the phaser yes. training. <laughs> yes, and, but uh, it, to, to cap it all off, it does end in a big recreation of the Enterprise D bridge. Mm-hmm. And, with, and that's that just that's that, cool. that in and of itself is so worth it. Yeah. In and of itself is so worth it. I mean, you get to sit in Picard's chair, <laughs> albeit maybe two or three times its size. Like it's, it's <laughs> like, like my, I sat in it and my legs were like dangling off the edge. <laughs> um, but, but still, still though, I mean, this is a recreation that you're, you're not going to get to experience mm-hmm. normally in any other, even at Vegas, you're just not gonna, you're not going to see that kind of TNG replicated experience of the of the bridge yeah i mean un- unless you were able to visit the original star trek experience right. that had the enterprise d recreation this is probably the the second best at this point of what's what's out there um and i think they're on the bridge they have like seven or eight different stations of like a um Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi Maru. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can try to see how many crew to save and this and that. But uh, how, many, how many did you save? How many did you save? I can't remember the exact number, but I think I got a passing grade, or at least I came close. <laughs> you kind of get like a little certificate at the end. Right. You survive the academy training experience. Right. That's that. That's the thing about the experience is that it, it is in fact interactive. So, for instance. You, you you are given a wristband at the start of the the exhibit mm-hmm. that um, interacts with each section. So, for instance, you are given questions, and and it's 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 not it's not a right or wrong type of question. It's more of a stylistic type of question. So, for it, so I guess uh, uh, an example would be like. You are about to engage um, a potentially hostile force. How would you engage? Would you open hailing frequencies? Would you raise shields? Or would you fire phasers? Yeah, it's really a scenario-based situation. Yeah, it's very it's scenario and, and almost personality-based, right? So at the end of it, you aren't graded by whether or not your answers were correct, but how you answered Right. And then at the end, it kind of um, based on at least in the Kobayashi Maru section and then all the different. um, I I said like 30 people. Yeah, that one's pretty tough. Uh, (laughs) But of the other seven or eight different um, sort of stations that are throughout the exhibit at the end, it it grades your proficiency in each topic. There's like communications and medical science, engineering. And then at the end, it sort of um, says, "Okay, you're invited to join the academy in this field. 
So whatever you most excelled in, whether it be command or communications or, you know, I think there was six or seven different topics that you could, that would be your study track at the academy. So how long does it take you then to go through the whole experience? Boy, I think if you do everything and, uh, you know, depending on the the crowd size, um, I think probably you get you can get through the whole thing in an hour or less. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're taking your time and really going to each and station. It works. And, and it works. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, when I went in, in the Intrepid, there's a section where you sort of like go to Klingon 101 language school mm-hmm. and you have to repeat some Klingon phrases back to a computer into a microphone. I remember having to yell pretty loudly into that microphone to get it to register, and I think I looked pretty ridiculous <laughs> trying to do <laughs> we, we actually have on uh, – when when it was on the Intrepid, um, I I had a press pass for it, and I was able to live stream during the press pass, um, and I think I live streamed during that exact Klingon experience, oh. and I was trying my darndest, uh-huh. but you, uh, that 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 yeah that that's that's on the internet somewhere somewhere. Chukuma, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Ma! That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so the party that they had, I mean, that sounds like it was a one-time kind of a grand opening for the year event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and were there any celebrities at that? I feel like someone was there, maybe. Yeah, Jordan Hoffman was at okay. the uh, yeah at the event. So he uh, Jordan Hoffman uh, is the host of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, and uh, he was there for most of the night uh, doing trivia. He uh, hosted a um, best con impression <laughs> event um, <laughs> that I participated in. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was that was fun. And um but be, beyond that, yeah, no, nobody nobody else was there other than okay. other than Jordan Hoffman. Okay. Guys, well. guys, guys, I won I won risk. Yeah. Nice. You know why? Cause I sung it. Because <laughs> I sung con and opera, but but I'm giving that away to priority but to, to our listeners. Mm. Totally giving it away. <laughs> I felt really bad. All right, I'm going to tell a story. This could be on air or off air. It doesn't matter. I go, I go up there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. But I didn't, I, I like, it, because we host a podcast, right? I'm like, I really shouldn't be considered for something like this. And I go up there and I sing con and I get back up and they call me back up. And I was like, no, don't do it. Please, God, no, no, it was a joke. This all of So I, I win risk for uh star trek risk and uh, we will be giving it away for prior to on prior to one podcast i'm I'm definitely giving it away i don't i don't feel like i like i deserved it so i'm giving it away oh and that's the star trek version of risk the board yeah 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 oh that sounds great yeah 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 i don't know how i don't know when but i will eventually (laughs) i'm not opening it it's it's it's, yes yes all right. Well, I, is there anything else going on in New York, guys? <laughs> um, 
Well, you have the you have the Statue of Liberty, and you have the Freedom Tower, and you have the Empire State Building. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, that's not I think for, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for now, I think the East Coast is pretty. Uh, I mean, you have the the exhibit going on in Liberty Science Center until May. Yeah. Um, so if you are on the East Coast, um, you have plenty of time to to uh, to to visit, and if you do. Please reach out. Jeff and I are are right there. We, we, are. we are right here. It's only an hour's drive to Jersey City, Liberty State Park, and um, we'd be happy to I, – uh, well, I'm speaking on behalf of Jeff, but I, Jeff, I, I, I think it's true, right? We'd be happy to meet our listeners there for, oh, for some type of event. For sure. So, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. Then, so, so reach out to us. Sorry, I know that you guys also do the the away mission, the New York away mission stuff with right, Michael Wynn right, from right, time right, to time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they meet maybe monthly or so, um, or bi-monthly, but yeah. I think there's a group on Facebook for that. Yeah, that that he Michael Wynn certainly deserves a shout out because he um uh he was there taking pictures and and trying to arrange for you know groups to go. There was a um I think it was one of the one of the tri-state area news um providers was doing a um a cover of it and he was trying to get people there at Liberty State Park at Liberty Science Center to show up in costume uh and he was trying to arrange that he was the middleman and so a big shout out to Michael Gwynn for that uh and for trying to arrange that uh he's definitely one of the east coast New York tri-state area contacts that uh, you want to be friends with. Yeah. Okay. So you can go to New York City and you can do non-Star Trek things, which is fun. That's true. Um, Or you can go to this experience. You can hang out with Jeff and Elijah. And then you can go to Ticonderoga, which is, what, four hours away. (laughs) About that. And do the Star Trek tour there. If you do 60 miles an hour. That's still a bit of a drive, yeah. I I was – I was up there this summer as well. Um, it's really a neat experience. If anyone ever gets up to up, up, upstate New York, it's it's worth it. Yeah, we talked about that. What two, three episodes ago? I think. Yeah, Jeff, I think yes. three, three ago now. Yeah, oh and man, I, Ryan and I went Jeff. up together for the convention. Yeah. Jeff, I got a I, Jace, our uh, literary reviewer, it, uh, lives in Vermont, and we've been talking about making spring plans to go to Ticonderoga. So you are obviously going to be my travel partner for that, sir. <laughs> All right, well, take hey. my car, and we're gonna we're gonna obviously gonna drive through Rhode Island, pick up Jake, and we're gonna go to Ticonderoga. Okay, I'm game. Still right, on. sounds good. Good. Then good. you can. Tell us all about it. And then we're going to swim by Colorado to pick up. <laughs> take a, a quick, long, quick side trip. Long side trip. Just a quick one. Just a quick one. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's just go, quick. go by like nothing. Go by like quick nothing. detour. Quick yeah. detour. Big deal. <laughs> I just have to recommend if anyone else driving around the East Coast, if you want to go a little bit south from New York, to make sure to check out the um, – the uh, restored and preserved uh, Enterprise filming model from the original series down there yes. at uh, the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Oh, yeah. if, yes, if you yes. haven't you haven't seen it since they've completed their work, it is really something to see. Excellent. Jeff, we should do that, man. We should plan a trip to DC. It's not. It's it's definitely closer closer than than uh, Ticonderoga. Yeah, we could even it's train. A, it. We could even yes. Train it if we wanted to, sure. 
Yeah, man. You know, it's interesting yeah, that that you mentioned that, uh, Ken, because uh, Thomas Maroney, who's the uh, who's not only a ship artist but a UI oh. artist for Star Trek Online, was just there, and he was showing pictures um, of the of the Enterprise and and uh, in its glass case and its new home. It's not in the gift shop anymore. Um, Oh, I was so jealous. I would, I, I, I would love to visit the Smithsonian and, and see that. So it's really impressive. Um, yeah. you know, uh, some, it, for people who were following the the renovation when it was occurring, we did a lot of. We were lucky enough to uh, uh, try to get a lot of um, inside visits to the museum when they were doing those renovations. And uh, you know, we were down there for the the unveiling. I guess it was last July in 2016 already. And boy, when that thing lights up, it is something to see. It's so impressive. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, we should swing down there, man. Look, man. You just after after White Christmas, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> good. Pick okay. a weekend and we'll go. We'll go down. The- Sounds <laughs> good. We'll plan it. Okay. So I guess that wraps up the 36th episode of Shore Leave. And uh, before we take off for the evening, as we can go around the table and let everybody know where they can find us online if they want to talk Trek or conventions. So, uh, Ken, where can people find you? Well, um, People can find me and the rest of uh, our team at TrekCore at uh, our various social media outlets. We're on Twitter and Facebook at TrekCore and, of course, at uh, TrekCore.com. Excellent. Elijah, how about you? Well, you can interact with us on social media at uh, Twitter at Priority One Pod, on Facebook at Priority One Podcast, and, of course, you can also access us right on the web at priorityonepodcast.com excellent heather barker i'm at heatherbarker.com no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) you guys can find me on twitter lla posper and then the show itself is at shore leave she posts the cutest little dog pictures (laughs) oh yes she does that one little dog with the tongue that always sticks out is oh, like the best. Blizzy. That's Blizzy. Yes. Oh, Blizzy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Lots of cute puppy pictures and Star Trek. And I try not to talk about politics. Um, but yes, Blizzy's worth every, every time I may mention politics, he's worth it just to see his <laughs> yes, pictures. Yes, he's, yes. he's a puppy mill survivor. So he lived six, almost six years of his life in a box making babies uh and he is quite spoiled now despite having only one tooth <laughs> uh, all right and i am uh, warp factor jeff on twitter you can find the show at shoreleavepodcast.com as heather said short at shoreleave on twitter we're also uh facebook.com slash the tricorder transmission so and i guess oh we, did we mention the unofficial star trek las vegas convention group on Facebook? We did not, but oh. that's where you can come and party. Yes, you can find us there as well, as long as uh, along with our other administrator, Jesse Akendo. And I guess that wraps up the episode. So thanks to you guys for being here, Elijah and Ken. It's been, been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, always, always a pleasure being on the show. Thank you guys for inviting me. And uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it's, it's always lovely. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate the invite and had a great time. All right, and we'll see you guys next time on Shortly. 